Hello and welcome to Inspired, your grown-up girl talk. I'm Stacy Fleece with co-host Samantha Tradelius. Samantha, how are you today? Here I am. It's uh, it's a Wednesday today that we're recording, and uh, today is a good day. Although our topic today is going to be, I think, really informative and um, a little different than we've done in the past. So I'm I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, this one I want to get right in because this one's heavy and uh, it it needs a lot of work and uh, we're not going to solve it in 30 minutes, but I think with these three brains together, we're going to, we're going to make progress. So we have with us today, Janelle Jones, who um, is really an advocate for correcting the foster care system, the adoptive system we have in this country. Janelle, I don't know any other better way to explain it um, outside of the fact that it's a mess is that a fair statement? I mean, I, let's just say it for what it is. It's, it's, uh, I have not been involved in the system, but it, um, everything we hear about it, it's, it's a disaster. It really is. It's really a disaster. And I feel that it's something we need to talk about. And I think people really need to be aware of how bad it really is. And I don't think we know, and those of us not involved, I don't think we really have an idea. So I want to back it up to how you even got into this position because you uh, you are a mother of biological children, of foster children, of adopted children. So you cover the gamut. And I imagine that so much of this has come from your firsthand experience in dealing with issues on all levels. So talk to us a little bit about how you even got into that orbit. So you're correct. I am a mother of seven. So I have two bonus children. I have three biological and two adoptive. And so you would think with the five that I had before, I didn't need any more. Actually, it was six. And then we adopted um, my last child, Mercy, who I I describe in my book. Um, We were just in in a place where I didn't really want any more children, but there was this cute little girl that won my heart at church. And my husband said, what's one more? And really when you got six, what's seven, you know, like who would notice? (laughs) And so that's how I ended up with her. And, and she, this, this example kills me because in in the book shattered, by the way, is the name of the book. Uh, you talk about how she went into the system at age three. And when we say into the system, it sounds like a prison system and maybe it is for them, but she went into the system at age three. You connected with her when she was eight. And in that period of time, she had 21 placements. Uh, yes. How, I mean, what is, what is going on there? It makes no sense. You know, even if you don't have any early childhood experience, everybody would have to admit that that's a lot, you know, for any child to endure. And so, yeah, I don't even know who allows these things to happen. And why are the people that are in charge of these children just allowing them to go home to home, place to place? And they can't realize it's a good idea because anybody with any just basic sense would say children need nurture and security and being able to bond. And how can you do that when you're moved 21 times? Yeah. When you're moving every quarter uh, as a child, that's impossible. And in those years too, those are such fundamental and foundational years. You know, I would think that as they're 
children are older, it's not an easier situation because there's a whole nother issue set of issues with teens and that. But the, those young years are so important. Like, why wouldn't that be of a mainstay of like mindset of of the people that are working, you know, making these these things happen? Yeah, I, I don't get it. It's, you know, because my my career is child care. So, my, so I do ad- admit that I have more experience than most. Um, that's what I study, you know, but they're not allowed in child. It's not allowed in childcare, you know, um, continuity of care is important. And the things that these children are subjected to in the foster and the adoptive care system, which is, I think prison may be better, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I think we may treat our prisoners better than we treat these children. Um, it wouldn't be allowed the things that these children endure, it wouldn't be allowed in any childcare setting. You know, you hear um, children, there's a center, I think last year where they were giving the child melatonin and it made national news. Well, I know firsthand um, that these children are given like melatonin and things and nobody cares about it. And it's, and it's not prescribed. So why is there a difference? I think there's a difference because you're talking about children who have lost their advocate, their parents, and now nobody cares about them. And so even when you have somebody that cares about them, such as me, right, and I'm coming against the system because this is actively a part of my life right now, you're fighting like it's one or two people fighting against seven or eight who have no... um no mindset of protecting a child. And so it's really bad. And then it's shrouded under secrecy. Um, So my daughter is in active court cases right now. And um, interesting enough, they were like, you can't talk about this case on any podcast, but the case is crap. You know, it's crappy. And then um, they govern these children like their office hours. So I can say firsthand that, from the hours of eight to five, if my child gets hurt, then there's somebody to respond. But after five um, and on the weekends, nobody responds to these children. It's just insane how bad this system really is. It sounds like this whole thing is really set up for failure. And I suspect there is failure on the side of the child protective services placement set, you know, arrangements. And there's probably some failure on the side of those who offer to foster children and maybe not for the purest reasons all the time, but let's kind of take these one by one. So let's talk about, let's talk about the government agency side, like how, what what are they doing that they're not they can't even place a child for 90 days like you put a child in a home they can't like 90 days like i i mean i i don't i don't i don't know how you can't do anything for you don't even know each other in 90 days like what what is the process that is happening leading up to that placement that is making this a failure from day one you know, I think, first of all, I think that there is not enough places to place these children. And I think that's a problem that's going to continue to get worse because we don't have good mental health and we have a lot of, we have a lot of drugs and we have a lot of other things going on that's compromising our family structure. 
um, you know, with the even the amount of homeless, you know, that we're seeing in Arizona, which I know it's the same across the country, right? You just don't have enough places to safely place these children. But why don't we? Because who wants to do it? This system is so broken. And, um, you know, I'm talking about what I've gone through and I'm one of many. Most people, it's so traumatizing and it will ruin your family. Who wants to sign up for that? We love our families, right? Because the system is so broken. It needs to be revamped completely. I mean, they literally need to throw it in the trash and start over. And they need... Yeah. And they need to start over, not with government officials. I don't want to say they're not smart, but um, come on, let's get some experts that work with children here. You know, we need to revamp this entire system to make it safe. You know, you have people that work with children. You have people that even work with schools. Maybe even a boarding school would be better, right? Let's, Let's get the experts in and redo this program. A lot of people, I've heard someone someone I know say, well, you know, there's no money for it. You know what? There's no money for it in the future either because all we're doing is creating problems that we're either going to pay now or we're going to pay a whole bunch later. And let's, let's not talk about the fact that these children, they reproduce. Well, so this I, is the next I, generation too of like what's yeah. up and coming. And, and this isn't just an Arizona problem. This is a nationwide problem. And here we have, you know, we see all the, you know, the the Congress and the hearings and the things that we're talking about. And like, these are real issues that you don't hear about on the news, right? You don't hear about it on the news. And we work closely with um, the Marin Foster Care uh, Organization here because, you know, with Sparkle and our nonprofit, but, you know, and we're able to help and do what we can do. But it's like, there is not a lot of resources out there countywide from state to state. And like, that's got to stop. Right. And in addition, if you look at the number of homeless that actually were in the adoptive and foster care system, it's it's over 30 to 40 percent. And that's known. That's not even really good case studies. And then if you look at our prison population, how many were previous adoptive and foster care kids? Because I can tell you what I'm dealing with personally. There's not a way our mental health is so bad that they're using prison to house our mentally ill. Well, that's increasing that population also. So the this not having a solution to the problem, it's costing us more money. And let's talk about it. If, if you are waiting for the mentally ill to commit a crime before you put them in jail, what kind of crime is that? It's not going to be shoplifting. It's probably going to be where somebody's hurt or killed. Mm-hmm. So who's got to get, why does my family have to be in more jeopardy in order to get this person the help they need behind bars? It's just insane. Oh, I have no experience with the foster care system, no experience with the adoptive system. I only know what I hear in the media. But hearing you say that that it it can ruin your family, it can literally put your family in danger. So what's the incentive to get involved I, what what does that mean? How like how in like I don't understand if you place an eight year old in your house, how is that putting a family in danger? Or how is that I how is that damaging? Okay, so, if so I want to, oh, like yeah. what am I what am I what am I walking into? 
So I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that like the reason why I wrote my book was not to discourage adoption and, and fostering, but it's really to change the system. And so basic laws like this, my eight-year-old that came to me, my cute little girl, they gave me a very simple history. And they cover, they just didn't tell me a lot of stuff. And, and their words were, well, if you would have known the truth, you wouldn't have adopted. But she had a history of sexual abuse. How did they not tell you what you're walking into? Th that's what happened in my case. My child had a history of sexual abuse. Well, I I didn't know. So you don't put a child that possibly has been sexually assaulted with another child that hasn't been. Do they hide Even, behind the laws or are they hiding behind the don't ask? A little don't bit of both. Like what is a little bit of both. If a you little bit of information, how do you get it? They're not going to tell you. They're going to give you a very, they're going to say they don't know. So one of the, one of the strategies I feel is their high turnover rate. Cause you know what? This is a horrible job. A, a child protective um, social worker. I mean, it's that, that is not the job that anybody is going to, we have them, God bless them. And anyone that can stand to work in that job for a long time, God bless you. Like you need our prayers and everything. Right. But a lot of times they have a very high turnover. So they hide behind secrecy. Like, well, we didn't know, like, you know, that left with the last caseworker. The difference of my daughter is there's multiple siblings. It's all documented court cases. So they couldn't have said they didn't know. My child had a horrible history. Um, even the 21 placements was hidden from us. So by the time we find this out, a couple things are going on. One, I need to know what I'm walking into because I need to know what therapies I need to get her. And two, it should be, I should have the choice of this is her history. Do you want to tackle it? I've already fallen in love with my daughter. So maybe, maybe I wouldn't have adopted. Maybe I would have kept fostering, but I can't say I would have walked away because I'm not that kind of person, but I at least would have known okay, she's got this in her family line. She's got this. She's got this. We need to get her immediately into help. Instead, I spent two years of things unraveling, unpeeling this onion. I'm losing valuable um, brain development time and other things. I'm fighting against puberty because at puberty, she just went ballistic, right? But there's things I could have put in place before had they been honest and truthful. And mind you, I understand children. So as a parent, I myself getting that... enraged as a mother myself with just like the, the lack of compassion that our country has for small people, number one. Number two, you know, if someone like yourself, there are a lot of people like yourself that really do genuinely want to do the good work and, and help create the solution and not be a part of the problem anymore. And yet you're not even enabled the tools to do it. And, you know, it's like, yeah, of course that there's a lack of, of people that want, because we're not getting what we need to be able to, to fix these problems. Um, and I, I don't even know where you begin to like have a conversation and, and be able to find like a, a foundational start to like change that. I mean, it's like, you're, it's a boulder that's so big in the room and like, you can't get around it. I, I don't even know. Like I'm, my blood's boiling. Yeah, it it is. And it's, you know, the only thing I can say is we have to eat the elephant one bite at a time. 
and we've got to break it down. Yeah. We have to do something. They are so stuck behind, I'm sorry, court procedures. By the time we have a court procedure, we're like four months away. There was recently, my daughter was in crisis and I'm filing petitions and paperwork like, hey, I need help. We need help. Two weeks later, by the time my emergency hearing happened, we were on to something else. And you cannot parent kids like this. So Janelle, where where do we start? In your opinion, like you said, got to eat the elephant one bite at a time. Where do we start? Because it's so messed up. It's almost too overwhelming to look at as a whole problem. What's the what what are the first steps to fix this? I think you feel like the system in general, like we need to get some experts in there, some experts that have like child child sociology degrees. Um, we need some expert therapists in there. We need people that are looking at the system and we need to change policies and laws. The unfortunately, the workers are abiding by the laws and they're not good. A lot and of the people that yeah, and the people that wrote the laws, obviously they don't understand children. And they don't understand that you can't parent children like they're pieces of paper in a file drawer. You just can't do it, right? These are living, breathing beings. And we need to get parents um, who who care about their children, which, you know, most of us do, to have a say-so in this and go, you know what? This doesn't sound right. The fact of the matter, I think one of the things that I talk about in my book, they separated my daughter from her twin brother. Who in their right mind does that? I thought my siblings were generally kept together in the foster system. Is that not the case? No, no. A lot of times you're not going to find a family to take a very, uh, you're not going to find a family, especially to take a big family, right? She came from a big family. I can kind of, I can understand that, but you're going to separate twins. They were together since before birth. Like, and then the separation, if you read about it in my book, it was not nice. It was very cruel. It should have been done in a therapeutic manner. Like who comes up with this stuff? It's so and upsetting. It, it's so, yeah, it, it rips your soul out. It does. And then when you really realize it, like a lot of times for me in going through this process of my daughter, I'm gathering information. I don't even have time to process it. There's so much... I think I spent the most time processing like the battle I had been on was while writing the book um, because it was just like, I just, I can't think about all this uck. I just got to keep going through it because our lives are in danger. Like I got to get help for my child. And, but when you really sit there and you look at it and you look at it just from a lens of a normal, compassionate human being, you're like, I may not even know much, but I know that this isn't, this isn't nurturing and this isn't loving. And we're talking about children. And the turnover for those social workers, I got to assume that it eats at their soul after a certain point where you're just like, I can't fucking handle it anymore. Like, Like, I can't go to bed and like look myself in the mirror when I wake up knowing like what I'm doing. And your story is one of millions, right? I mean, I don't know how many children are in the foster care system, but there is a lot. And it is like going back to what you said about, you know, people that are incarcerated and people that continually are pattern, you know, offenders and these different things is, you know, 
if we're not solving these problems at a at a at a young age when we when we have the ability to, I mean, no, who could be surprised with the outcome because you're not mm-hmm. you're not fixing anything, right? Right. So at a well, small you- basis level, like as Stacy was saying, like what are some of the things that like little old me can you know advocate for in my community, or you know what are some of the ways that we can start to help be a part of the solution? You know, I think simple things like becoming involved with the the local foster and adoptive systems, like the little the agencies, being active, going to the meetings, um, finding that child, even if you're not going to parent the child, but helping with that child, helping with that child. Like if you have money, provide that child a backpack. Be, find a child that you can you can become a part of their life with, even if you don't want to like have movie night with them, but follow this child. Okay. What's going on with this child? Let me, let me attend the meetings. Let me be an advocate for the child. Let me be involved. Let me do little things that's going to help this child and then get involved with the legislation. We all have to start calling our senators and things and saying, y'all, this is bad. We've had, um, We've had several deaths in Arizona that were questionable. We had a little boy here die. Um, He was, his dad um, got caught like doing meth or something in a hotel room and they took the child away. Um, And they put the child in the system. The dad was like, he's diabetic. For two weeks, something about this child wasn't given his medicine and it wasn't proper and he died. Now, dad wasn't the greatest person, but he did keep his child alive, right? And he was saying, hey, my son has issues. And I believe even before he died, he ended up in the hospital before they brought him back in the diabetic coma. Why does that happen? So I want to just take a quick to talk about the other side of the equation, though, the parent side, because I'm not sure that's really awesome either. And you aside, right? So right, right. kind of system, what, how is the system set up to vet the parents and, you know, we, again, from the outside, we hear about these parents who just really, you know, do it for the income and they're, they're putting a roof over the head and not much else. They just want the monthly income. So what are, what are we doing to vet the parents or is there any vetting where they just, if somebody raises their hand, they just quickly drop off a couple kids and run? I think it's the raise your hand. You're not a criminal. We're going to put you through minimal training and let you go, which, you know, we need help. And, and that's what, that's what it is. I think they're grasping, but I think a part of that, we're not going to know a person is an awful individual until they become an awful individual, probably, you know, especially if this is just starting, but we need to monitor these parents. We need to put these parents through more training. We need to give them the help. (laughs) Some of them need some, um, some therapy after they're dealing with the situation because some of these kids bring a lot of trauma into you. But we need to have resources where we're training. I have a saying in my preschool, which is good teachers beget good teachers. If I have good teachers working in my preschool classrooms, it's going to bring in other good teachers because I'm using them to train. We need to come up with a system just the same way. We need to be looking at the people that do it well And we need to be modeling that and we need to be growing the system from that. What are we doing? Why are you good at it? Okay. You understand child development. Okay. Let's, let's put that in the, let's put that in the curriculum for training. Oh, 
I'm noticing that when the kids come in, we're having these issues. How do we address that? Oh, maybe we need to bring some training in there. Maybe we need to bring supports in there. Because if we can start modeling good homes for these kids, we can produce other good homes, but we have to create the standard. I just want everyone to hear that again. We have to create the standard and we have to start talking about it because, mm -hmm. you know, as a society, we don't like to talk about uncomfortable things. Like we just, we don't, we don't want to talk about it in our own lives. We definitely don't want to talk about it on a big scale. Um, but like you're talking about it and, and you're talking about it in a way that like the rest of us can hear. And I think it's, it's just, I'm just, I'm, I'm a gas. If I could just put it, like, I'm just, my jaw is on the ground. Like I, and I think I think the reason why we don't hear about it is because one, this is done to our children. These are minors. They don't have a voice, mm -hmm. right? And then when you deal with the parents, some of the parents, I remember I was at one of my book signings and the gentleman asked what my book was about. And I told him, I was like, it's about my journey, my mental, my journey through the foster and adoptive care system. And he goes, Yeah. I used to be, we used to be foster parents. I said, oh, would you like my book? He's like, absolutely not. And he gave me this look like I've been there. I do not want to relive that trauma. And I could tell, like I could, it was that, it was a connection. I was like, oh, like you've been through it. He's like, yeah, and I don't even want to think about it. And some people, it's so bad. They don't even want to think about it after because let's not forget the human portion. I love my daughter. They fall in love with these kids and some of their outcomes are heartbreaking and it hurts, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's that it, my daughter is not, you know, I advocate for my daughter with all we're going through. And I'm like, this is a child. This is my child. This is my child we're talking about. And I'm fighting for her and they don't, they don't, even celebrate that they just kind of try to knock you down and it's like no this is my child like this is how I would fight for a child I gave birth to this is how I'm fighting for the child I adopted and you're not respected for that I feel like the foster care system needs a whole new hype team a whole new PR team it like needs, it needs a reboot it needs a reboot Needs, yes, the market. And it part. needs transparency. It needs transparency because that is what a lot of the problem done is. It because they're children, we're gonna act like we can't disclose or talk about their case. So everything is held under this shroud of secrecy of really bad things happening to these kids. So I know we've made this sound so attractive, but if somebody <laughs> wanted to get involved as a foster parent. What advice would you give them right off the bat? So the first thing I say is you really need to research and understand what you're doing. And I don't say that to discourage you. I say that because knowledge is power. And you, you need to know that going in, this is not going to be like a fairy tale situation. If my child, if I was able to give her stability and put bows in her hair and put her in pretty dresses and she was would live happily ever after that would have happened but this is really a war and it's a war that we need people in but you have to know what you're dealing with so the biggest thing I can say is reach out and find resources 
find other foster and adoptive parents and groups and become a part and really understand what you're doing. And you can't do it for the money. There's not enough money in this. You can do a lot of other things to make money. This is a heart thing. You have to have a heart for these children. And these children, they really need us because unfortunately, this is going to be your child's friend. These children are coming in contact with our children. They're having effects on people we love. We're going to encounter them. We have to come up with systems to help them. I love it. And I'd love nothing more than a woman who is advocating. She's standing up. She's putting her feet in the ground and saying, you know what? Here is a problem. Let's find the solution and let's find the solution together. Janelle, where do people find more about you? What is where? Where do we find you online? So uh, my website is JanelleJones.com. My first name is J-E-N-E-L-L. And then Jones.com, you can find out about um, my book and other resources we have. There's ways to contact me. So I'm all there. You're fantastic. And I just think such a light and such a, such a, such a door that you open and you walk in and it's a very dark room and you're a light that's being able to be shunned, not only for us that don't know anything about it, but also these kids um, that you're out there making a difference for. So thank you for inspiring us. I hope that everyone else gets out there this week and is inspired.